Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm glad to hear that. I have two questions for us to answer uh, this morning. The first question is this. Who is Christ Church of Orinoga? Who are we as a people? Second question is this. Why have we been getting together every Sunday morning since 1953? Like, I know we don't like each other all that much, so why do we keep hanging out so stinking often? My wife, Andrea, and I have two toddlers. We have Willie, who just turned two this summer, and Murph, who's about to turn one uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, we love these two little nuggets living in our household. It's such a fun time, such a joyous time. Um, But when we have conversations with other adults, we found that most of our conversations now focus around these two little guys, Willie and Murph. And we love sharing about them, but we're always honest about how life with two toddlers is going. And uh, so I'm going to be honest with you this morning about how life with two toddlers is going. It's exhausting. It's crazy. Uh, I'm sure those of you with toddlers know this to be the case. Willie, uh, the two-year-old is potty training right now, and uh, my wife has him running around naked all the time, like 24-7. I don't know. She read a book about it. I didn't read any books on this subject, so I don't have an opinion. He's just naked all the time, inside, outside, full moon, no matter what time of day it is. So that's, that's Willie. He's doing well. Uh, we have Murphy. Murphy's about to turn one. He is crawling all over the place, putting everything he can find into his mouth. Last week, he caught a live spider and ate it raw, like he's on some sort of survival show or something. Uh, my wife will tell you that our house is basically the toddler version of Naked and Afraid. Um, I've never seen the show, but uh, the boys are usually naked. We're usually afraid of what's going on, so I feel like it, it fits the premise, you know. Any, uh, any other couples in here with like toddlers in the house right now? Where are you at? So yeah, you know what's going on. Your kids are naked, you're afraid. You understand what we're talking about. But a lot of our conversations do happen with other parents of toddlers and it's fun to, to laugh and to express the joys and the heartaches of what it's like to be parents of toddlers. And those of you who have already parented toddlers and now have older kids tell me it just gets worse. Stop telling me that. What are you doing? Why, why are you doing that to me? Stop it. Every now and then when we're talking to these other parents, um, they'll start talking about their kid and sharing life with what their kid is like. And pretty soon into the conversation, you start to realize that they're not talking about like a human child, but a dog. And you're like, what what are we doing here? You know, uh, you think your dog's a human and uh, these people are crazy, but you know, we love them. Listen, I don't have anything against dogs because I can see some of you scowling at me right now. That's great if you want to have a dog. I just need about 20% of you to realize that dogs aren't people. Okay, so we go with this. In a culture that struggles to figure out what makes a dog a dog and a, and a human a human, I thought an appropriate question for us this morning in this gathering is this, what makes a Christian a Christian? What makes a Christian a Christian? I mean, think about it. The gathering of this people in this room right now is so unique. There's a lot of diversity in this room. We have nine-month-olds and 90-year-olds. We have former prisoners and police officers in the same room, former atheists and those who were seemingly born into a pew. We have those who have gone through all 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and those who've never touched a drop of alcohol in their lives. We have cowboys, we got truckers, brokenhearted fools and suckers. We got hustlers, fighters, early birds and all-nighters. That last list is from Toby Keith about a bar he loves, but it's true of this gathering as well. 
I mean, seriously, we have farmers and pharmacists, teachers and their students. We have men, women, those with athletic gifting, artistic gifting, academic gifting. We have builders, bakers, barbers, and bankers. We have boys, we have girls, singles, couples, those divorced, those remarried. We're such a blended group of people. And yet we all claim the same title of Christian. With all these differences, what is it that makes us Christian? I was given a unique answer last fall when I was eating lunch with a a gentleman in our community who is a Muslim. And uh, he said to me in the middle of our conversation, he said, Drake, you know that I'm a better Christian than you, don't you? Like being a good Christian is not necessarily a competition, but I was nervous that I was in second place because this man doesn't even believe that Jesus is God. You know what I'm saying? So I asked him, what do you mean you're a better Christian than me? And he said, well, you eat pork and I don't. And I understood at this moment that he was familiar with the dietary restrictions in the Old Testament, but unfamiliar with the dietary freedoms in the New Testament. So I explained to this gentleman, I said, sir, we as followers of Jesus are free to eat pork-based products. In fact, most Christians I know love pork chops, pulled pork, baby back ribs, tacos out past store. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah, you guys don't amen about Jesus, but about pork, you will. I get it. I get it. So I said to this Muslim gentleman who I was eating with, I said, sir, that does not make you a better Christian than me. That makes you a better Jew than me. And he did not like that joke so much, but uh, I thought you might. But uh, what is it that makes us Christian? It's not the outward appearances we bring to this room. It's not what we eat or don't eat. Peter says this about what makes us Christian. First Peter chapter one, verses three through five, he says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. With all of our differences in this gathering, our commonality is this. Our hope is in Jesus. We are those who have come to Jesus by placing our faith in him, by confessing him to be the son of God, our Lord and savior. He is the reason we are here. With all of our differences, we come together under the name of Jesus. This is what it makes us Christians. But why does he have us coming together so often? Like, why do we get together every Sunday morning? Some of you come to this building multiple times a week. Why do we get together so often? often? What's the purpose of our gathering? Why have we been doing it since 1953? And why has the church globally been doing it for 2,000 years now? Why do we get together? Peter, again, in that same letter to that same group of Christians who came before us, he says this, as you come to him, the living stone, the living stone is a reference to Jesus, rejected by human stones, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones. Jesus, a living stone, we are also living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Through metaphor, 
Peter has declared Jesus to be the cornerstone of the spiritual house in which God is building with those of us who call ourselves Christians coming around the cornerstone as living stones as well. Now, the minds of the original readers of this letter that Peter wrote would think back to the cornerstones of the temple in Jerusalem. The cornerstones of this temple in Jerusalem were these massive stones on which the structural integrity of the temple was determined. And I found this piece of historical information to be interesting. I think the builders in the room will as well. When they went to build the temple in Jerusalem, they did not use any binding material such as nails or screw or glue or what have you. The structural integrity of the temple stone was found in the cornerstone. The cornerstone is where all other stones found their security, their place, their belonging. Don't miss the metaphor where we Christians find our security, our place, our belonging is in the cornerstone. His name is Jesus. We're gathered here together to be centered by the cornerstone that is Jesus. This is why we are here. God is here to build a temple out of us, a spiritual house, a cathedral for the praise of his glory. This is why we are here. Earlier I said this gathering was unique, different, maybe even weird if you dare say that. Peter, much more astutely, would continue his letter and he would use the word chosen. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're different, but we're chosen. We were a people who had not received mercy, but now through Jesus, our cornerstone, with all of our differences, our commonality is this, our present and future hope is in him. That's why we are gathered today. That's why we will keep gathering. We're in the middle of a sermon series right now called Pathways. And the basic idea of this series is if we want to be like Jesus, we must follow the pathway of Jesus with Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did. So far in our series, we've talked about the spiritual disciplines of the word, scripture, and also of prayer. I'm sure some of you have taken this to heart and you have begun to practice spiritual disciplines in your own time when it comes to the word and to prayer. I'm sure some of you have been doing this for a long time and this series has just encouraged you to keep going. But I'm here to remind all of us this morning that we can't find completeness in Jesus alone. We can't walk the pathway of Jesus by ourselves. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Christian formation must take place in the context of Christian community, AKA the local church. We need one another. This is why we keep getting together every Sunday morning. Can I take a moment to do something risky and critique church culture for a second? You will see a lot of churches in America especially have slogans or phrases or value statements that is something along the lines of this. No perfect people are welcome here. And I understand the sentiment. I understand it. We want people to feel welcomed in this place. We don't want things like shame holding people back. But we have to admit for a second, at least, it's a kind of an odd slogan or value statement. When our leader, Jesus, once preached in a sermon on this mountain, and he said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You'll also have churches 
whose slogan is simply come as you are. And once again, I understand the sentiment, but we have to add a second line. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. We're here to gather so that we can grow for his glory. We don't want sin or guilt or whatever the enemy is holding us back with to continue. We don't want to be in bondage anymore. We want to find freedom, completeness, maturity in Jesus. We have to come together. I love the mission statement of Christ Church of Orinoco. I didn't write it. In fact, the first person to write it was the Apostle Paul in the letter to the church in Ephesus. We are here to find completeness in Jesus, maturity in Jesus. We are here, church, to grow in Jesus because he is making us out of together a spiritual house for the praise of his glory and for our growth and our good. This is why we gather together on Sunday mornings. Can I be honest with you, though? Sometimes I don't want to come here to Christ Church of Orinoco. Why? Well, don't tell Mark this, but sometimes it's boring. You know what I'm saying? Like it's very predictable as to what we're going to do every Sunday morning. When I was graduating from Bible college, I was interviewing at these different churches, a lot of these churches in bigger cities across our country. And I know this is kind of a PG-13 to use, but some of these churches looked pretty sexy to me. Like they were doing flashy things, fast things. It looked cool. So I was interviewing with these churches that had reached out to me, but every interview ended with thank you, but no thank you. We're going to go with somebody else. I'd become really disappointed, and that's when Christ Church of Orinoco went looking for me, bottom of the barrel. And I said, sure, I'll come. But I wasn't all that excited about it. You know why? Once again, this church just isn't very sexy. We're pretty predictable, aren't we? We're not flashy, we're not fast. We do the same thing over and over and over and over on Sunday mornings when we gather. But now seven years later, I can say this, I'm eternally grateful. I don't know how much longer I'll be at Christ Church at Voronoggle, but I know that I'm grateful to have started here because this place has been for mature, a place of maturity for me to watch as other ministers don't try to do things that are fast or flashy, but simply commit to the communal disciplines of the church so that we as the people of God can grow together for the praise of his glory. This is what disciplines are, you know. Basically the same thing over and over again for the purpose of growth, and in our case, also the purpose of God's glory. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, gives us the earliest description of the early church. And by early church, I mean those who have come to Jesus as Lord and have been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is right after uh, the Pentecost, and this is what happens. Luke gives us this description of the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Luke writes, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the earliest picture we have of the living stones coming together around the cornerstone that is Jesus and practicing the communal disciplines of the church. Did you recognize any of them? The first that I want to point out is that of teaching. Each week we gather around and we listen to a teaching from Scripture similar to what the early church would have done. Acts 2 referenced the apostles' teaching. 
The early church did not have the completed canon of scripture like we have today. In fact, the New Testament was still being lived. So apostles referred to men like Peter and John, later Paul, men who knew Jesus and became co-authors of the New Testament through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. And although these men have never and will never step step foot on stage here at Christ Church, we still are devoting ourselves to their teachings every time we open up the scriptures and give our attention to what they have to say. But is it still necessary for us to do this 2,000 years later? The Apostle Paul seems to think so when he wrote to a young church leader named Timothy and he said this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we gather as the church, we come to practice the communal discipline of giving our attention to the word of God so that the living stones, that's us, may be brought together and centered on the cornerstone that is Jesus. As we teach teach and, and rebuke and correct and train for our purpose to glorify God. So when we gather, we will gather around the word. We will practice this communal discipline of studying the scripture. We even have our youngest members doing it. My sons are over in the early programming. Right now, Willie and his class are trying to memorize Psalm 139, verse 14. Let's pray and bless those teachers every day this week for the work that they do. But right now, we're trying to teach Willie the scriptures. He knows that God is love. He can say it. Right now, we're learning that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm also learning motions. I'm not much of a motions guy, but I'm doing it for my son. Although I don't know if I should be because he's kind of making me mad right now. Right now, when Andrea will go to teach him Psalm 139 verse 14, she'll say, I am, and then Willie will just say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Just like that. It's so cute. And then I say, Willie, why don't we say this? I am, and he says, no. And it really makes me mad. So he needs to put clothes on and he needs to obey. So another similarity we have with the early church in Acts is that we break bread together. In our culture, this phrase, to break bread, is used to describe regular meals where we sit together at a table with other people. But in Acts 2, I'm sure they did that as well, but in Acts 2, this reference of breaking bread specifically meant the Lord's Supper, communion. Breaking the bread and drinking the juice so that we can center ourselves on Jesus. This is a communal discipline of the church. Paul, once again, to the church in Corinth, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now the discipline, or the method would have looked a little bit different for the early church. They probably would have had loaves of unleavened bread. They would have drinking real wine. Today we take little chiclets and grape juice because we're not trying to get our eight-year-olds loose here in the church service, if you know what I'm saying. But we're coming around these elements for this purpose. So the living stones can center ourselves on the cornerstone that is Jesus by remembering his death and his resurrection every single time we gather. This is why we practice that. Next one that I want to point out to you is the discipline of generosity. 
After we usually take communion, there are bags passed and people typically put cash or checks in the bag or give online. Why do we do this like the early church? Paul wrote to the church leader, Timothy, again, he said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Have you ever heard the phrase, the love of money is the root of all evil? I think that was from the lips of Jesus. And he's right. Man, money has been the biggest temptation for mankind since it came. Money tries to pull people away from the cornerstone, but we give our money away so that we are not tempted but drawn nearer to the cornerstone that is Jesus for our good and his glory. The last discipline, the fourth one I want to point out, the similarity between the early church and Christ Church of Orinogo is the communal discipline of singing. Probably the communal discipline that most people don't like to participate in. When I was in high school, the children's ministers at the church asked me if I would come and lead worship on Sunday morning for the children's ministry. They were obviously desperate. Everybody else had said no. I'm not a good singer but I knew that the church needed to sing, so I agreed to do it. I learned the motions, I learned the words, hopped up on stage, did it all, got off stage. After service was hanging in the back of the room, an eight-year-old girl felt the need to come up to me and inform me that I was the worst singer she had ever heard. <laughs> she obviously doesn't know what talent looks like. She should have seen me in the fifth grade talent show when I sang Should Have Been a Cowboy by Toby Keith. And I know two Toby Keith sermon references in one sermon, I'm on a roll right now. This young girl was uninformed that uh, when we gather together as the church to sing, it's not about talent, it's about truth. We're here not to show off, we're here to show up to see who God is and what he wants to do with us as we sing truth. And I admit, I'll be the first to admit, that it kind of seems weird that he would have us sing, doesn't it? Most people are uncomfortable with it unless they're in the shower, you know? But this is what he wrote to the church in Colossae. He said, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Someone once asked me, what if we didn't sing in our worship services? And I responded to them, I think we'd be missing a central ingredient of the worship that God has his people doing. We've always been a singing people since, Genesis, since Exodus chapter 15, when the Israelites passed through dry ground on the Red Sea. Moses and Miriam, they sang of God's glory, his power, his work, his character. If you look at the end of the Bible in Revelation, the people of God will still be singing of his glory, his power, his work, his character. Whether we like it or not, we belong to a singing faith. He has called us together to sing in singing, we build up the people of God. Did you catch it in Colossians chapter three? He says, as you teach and admonish one another, he's talking to the people of the church with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Church, this is a way in which we encourage one another. Now, do you have to be vocally beautiful like Chip Songer is every single week? No, you don't. Do you have to be able to play the guitar like Chip can? No, you don't. Do you have to wear skinny jeans like Chip does? Please don't. Please, for the love of God, don't. But seriously, I'm grateful for Chip and the other worship leaders here at our church because when they bring us to the, the throne of Jesus through song, it's all focused on truth, isn't it? 
The songs we sing are songs full of the truth of the gospel. And church, we need you to sing, to encourage the others in the room that God is good. He will be good forever. We need you to sing. The last word I want to point out from Acts 2 is the word devoted. Luke tells us that the early believers devoted themselves to these communal disciplines. I'll make another risky admission to you. Sometimes when my alarm clock goes off at 5.05 in the morning, I don't want to wake up and come to church. Ask my wife. I snoozed the alarm clock today. There have been sometimes I've snoozed it twice. That's how much I didn't want to get up and go to church that morning. Why? Because I already mentioned it. It's the same thing over and over again. Man, I work at the church. I've heard most of the stories of scripture. I've sang most of the songs. I've eaten those chiclets so many times in my life. Sometimes I just don't want to come, but I come here anyways. Why? I don't want to sound arrogant, but the truth is this. You need me to be here. And the truth is this as well. I need you to be here. We all need each other to be here because we're all living stones coming together around the cornerstone that is Jesus. We need all the stones to show up to the construction site on Sunday morning so God can build us up together for his glory, our growth, and our good. Church, we need you here so that God can build a spiritual house out of us. Can I close this morning by reading a story? One day a traveler was walking along in the forest and came upon three individuals working with stone. Curious as to what these workers were doing, the traveler approached the first worker and asked, Sir, what is it you're doing here? Well, out the slightest hesitation, the worker replied, Well, to be honest, friend, I'm not quite sure. I'm new to this job of cutting stone, and I'm, I'm just trying my best to do what everybody else is doing. Still unclear of this worker's task, the traveler approached the second worker and asked the same question, Sir, what is it you're doing here? The second worker looked up, but only for a moment, gazed briefly at the traveler, and obviously annoyed, he explained, what does it look like I'm doing here? I'm a stone cutter. I've been cutting stone for a long time. This is what I've always done. Still unclear of the task and more perplexed than he was before by these two different responses, the traveler asked the third worker and said, what is it you are doing here, sir? Stopping for a moment, the worker stared at his stone in his hand. He slowly turned to the traveler, and with a bright smile on his face, he delightfully said, I am a stonecutter, and I am building a cathedral to the glory and praise of God. Church, can I ask you a question this morning? What is it you are doing here? I'm sure that some of you came here this morning unsure, even if you've been coming for a long time, unsure of what the purpose of this gathering is. Some of you may be annoyed at some of the things we do in this gathering, maybe because we're not fast or flashy or you don't like the songs we choose or the sermon series that we do. But can I just remind you of this? We're gathering on Sunday mornings as Christians, the church, to practice Christian formation in the context of Christian community, which is imperative for us to do. We're here gathering together so God can bring the living stones around the cornerstones that is Christ for the praise of his glory. Church, we're here to build a cathedral, or rather we're here that God will build a cathedral out of us for his glory, our growth, and our good. So thank you so much for being here this morning, and I hope to see you next Sunday morning as we gather and let God work. Father, thank you so much for the people in this room. Father, would you encourage people to continue to come even on days when they're busy, on days when they don't want to show up, God, would you remind them that the church needs them? 
We need all of the living stones to show up around the cornerstone so that you can build a house out of us for your glory, our growth, and our good. That we might become more complete in Jesus because we know we can't do that alone. So Father, would you encourage our brothers and sisters to come to this place as we gather. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.